All right, we're going to be uh, in Luke chapter 15. If you have a Bible and want to follow along in it, Luke 15. If you don't have a Bible, you can help yourself to uh, the one that's in the rack there in front of you. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, we would love to have you take that, make it your own, and read it. So as Gavin said, it's looking more and more like Christmas. And for some of us, that means things are getting really busy, lots of activity. And that's one reason why it's really good that we do this. Not the only good reason, but it's a good reason why we gather together like this because we slow down, we take time, we pray, we seek to come into the Lord's presence, and we, we reflect on what Christmas really means. Yeah, you know, we as Americans, we're not so big on reflection. Yeah, I don't know if you've noticed that. We're big on being busy, we're, we're big on lots of activity, we're big on being emotional and reacting, but to actually take time and reflect and think carefully, that's not always our strong suit. So it's good that we do this, because it would be a terrible thing to let a bunch of busy activity cause us to treat Christmas superficially and to miss the, the real reason behind it. And in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus gives us the real meaning of Christmas. Because there he tells us why he was born. Why he entered into our world. Why the eternal Son of God became man, took on humanity, and was born to us. And he said this in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Who is he talking about? Who are these lost people? And what does it mean for Jesus to seek them and to save them? Well, those are the questions we're asking and looking for answers in the story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 15. Because there he's really answering that question. What does it mean? Who are the lost and why did he come to seek and save them? How how does that happen? This is often called the the story or the parable of the prodigal son. I think it would be better to title it the story of the two lost sons because the story is about two sons and both of them are lost, although not both of them realize it. And that's really important. That's really the main reason why Jesus told this story. Because there are people who are lost and don't know it. Lostness can look very different from what we naturally think. There are many lost people who don't look lost. And they don't feel lost. And they, many of them, They go to church, and they give to charity, and they do good deeds, and they celebrate Christmas. Now, how can that be? How is that possible? That's why it is so important to understand and and reflect and think carefully, listen carefully to what Jesus is telling us in this story. Because I'll tell you this. 
And, and this is something that really bothers me when I think about it. And that is the idea that there would be anybody in our midst who's lost and doesn't know it. I can't think of anything worse than being lost from God and not know it. So I'm going to read it, and I just encourage you to pray, and I'll pray right now. Father, Lord, will you speak to us by your Spirit, and Lord, may all of our hearts be open to what you would say to us, and that we would gain a a true understanding of what lostness means and understand your seeking and saving love in Jesus. Help us with this, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Luke 15, verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. And he, the father, divided his property between them. Now, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had And took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered, he wasted his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods the pigs ate. No one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose, and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and let's kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead. And he's alive again. And he was lost And now he's found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked them what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he's received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused, refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me even a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, You are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But it was fitting, better translation, it was necessary to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. 
He was lost and is found. As we talked about last time, these two sons represent two very different kinds of people, two groups of people that Jesus was interacting with. On the one hand, there were the tax collectors and the sinners. Okay? These were the, the immoral, irreligious, improper people that are represented by the first son. The son who selfishly demands his inheritance early, goes off to a distant country, blows everything, wastes it on immoral living. That's the one group. Now the other group, these, these are the scribes and the Pharisees. These are the moral people, the religious people, the, the proper people. They're represented by the older brother, the other son, the one who works hard. The one who thinks he's never, ever, ever disobeyed his father and is deeply offended by his father's kindness to his brother. And you know something? Basically, these two kinds of people are still with us today. You could call them the rule breakers and the rule keepers. And pretty much, most people, we tend to be attracted to one group or the other. Now, there can be mixed, you know, sometimes people are rule breakers one day and rule keepers the next day, or they want to look like rule keepers on the outside, but they're rule breakers on the inside. But, but even in spite of that, pretty much most of us tend to identify or relate with one group or the other mainly. Now, here's the question. Which group did Jesus come to seek and to save? Who are the lost from God? Is it you? Or is it somebody else? Is it you and your group or is it that other group? Who is it? Who are we talking about? Who are these lost that Jesus came to seek and to save? Well, there's a couple answers here. The first answer is very obvious. The rule breakers are lost. We know this because Jesus was hanging around with the rule breakers. They were flocking to him. And that really upset the other group, the rule keepers. And so Jesus tells them three stories. He tells them three stories of people who lost something very valuable and then rejoiced when they found that valuable thing. And Jesus tells the scribes and Pharisees, he says, see, that's how it is. That's how it is in heaven when a sinner repents and comes home to God. And see, he was talking about all these immoral, improper people that were flocking to him, and he was hanging around them and teaching them and welcoming them and eating with them. And so the the connection's obvious. People who break God's rules are sinners lost from God. That's what Jesus says. And Jesus says he came to seek and to save them. So rule breakers. Now if this is your tribe, what this means is you're somebody who is seeking happiness and fulfillment primarily through self-discovery, following your heart, following your passion. 
Rule breakers are people who believe everybody ought to be free to decide for themselves what is best, what is good for them. Uh, Tim Keller, Pastor Tim Keller, has written a book, Prodigal God. If you haven't read it, I strongly encourage it. I've gleaned lots of insights from him that I'm sharing with you. He puts it like this. He says, uh, rule breakers think the world would be a much better place if only rules and traditions and other barriers to personal freedom were abolished. Just get rid of that stuff. So rule breakers, they're the free spirits. They're the black sheep. They're the ones who put question authority bumper stickers on their cars. And if you haven't noticed, our area is full of them. We are, the, the greater metropolitan area around here is very attractive to this kind of person. And you can see this attitude here in the younger son. He demands his share of the inheritance before he's entitled to it. I mean, before his dad dies, he, he wants it. Why does he want it? So he can be free to do his own thing. So he can finance pursuing his own path, doing it his own way. And it was incredibly dishonoring to his father, especially in this culture. You know, it's pretty much coming up to dad and saying, dad, I wish you were dead. I wish you were dead so I could be happy. Because I want to get away from you. I can't be happy with you. And it's so incredibly offensive, so disrespectful. This son doesn't care. He doesn't care about what's proper. He doesn't care about what traditions are. He just wants to be free. Give me my money. I'm out of here. And he just wants to get as far away from his dad. He wants to get as far away from his dad's values as he can. So he just takes off and he moves to Portland. And he just breaks all the rules in order to find... See, he's not breaking rules just for the sake of breaking rules. He's breaking rules because he thinks by doing that, he'll find true satisfaction. He'll find true contentment. He'll find true fulfillment. These rules are just going to mess me up. I gotta, I gotta, my dad's values are going to mess me up. I've got to go my own way. Follows his own path. And what happens? He winds up broke hungry, all of his so-called friends bail, and he ends up doing just the absolute worst job you could imagine for a Jewish person, feeding pigs. See, there's a problem with being a rule breaker, and the problem is, the ultimate problem is that the one who made us, the one who loves us, the one who truly knows what's best for us, has given us some rules to follow for our own good. For our own good, because he knows better than we do. But no, rule breakers... Okay, now you have to understand, all of us, all of us have done this to some extent. It's just that rule breakers make a lifestyle out of it. Okay? We've all done this. We break rules because we don't trust God to do what's best. Rule breakers are convinced they will be happier doing things their own way instead of God's way. And here's the thing. It often seems to work for a while. There is a feeling of freedom that comes when you follow your heart and do it your own way. 
It feels exhilarating at first. It's kind of like jumping out of a plane without a parachute. It's exhilarating for a while. <laughs> I mean, when you just, you just, you know, pitch all the traditions, pitch all the rules, follow your heart, do whatever you want, it feels like freedom at first. But it doesn't last. And what you thought was freedom begins to feel eventually like bondage. And you're trapped. And the consequences are severe. There's all kinds of practical consequences, and God's word says the ultimate consequence is, is terrifying. Romans 2 8. For those who are self seeking and reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There is a price for being lost from God. Rule breakers are lost. They deserve God's judgment. That's not my opinion. That's what God's word says. And here's the thing, okay? This, I think this is so important to see this. All of those immoral people who were hanging out with Jesus, they got this. They, they were realizing. Why were they coming to Jesus? Because they didn't feel free anymore. They were lost and they knew it. That path that they had gone off on was a dead end. And they felt trapped and they felt lost. They knew they were lost and they hear this Jesus telling them that He came to seek and save lost people and they were drawn to Him because they didn't want to be lost anymore. And Jesus, this Jesus, would ultimately go to a cross and take upon Himself the judgment of sin for anyone who will come to Him. Anybody who will come to Him and say, Jesus, I'm lost. I'm lost and I know it. Please, forgive my rule-breaking. Forgive my arrogance of thinking that I know better than God about how to be happy. Save me. And He does. He does. That's what's so awesome. 1 Peter 3.18 For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. I've got to say that again. For Christ died for sins once for all. The righteous for the unrighteous. Look at it. To bring you to God. That's the issue in being lost and being found. It's not just having your sins forgiven. That's a means to the end. What's the end? Being brought to God like the, the younger son came home to the father. It's, it's the relationship being brought to God. So if you're a rule breaker... If you just disregard God's ways and you're indifferent to what God thinks about things, it's because you think you know better. And until you admit you're lost, you're going to stay lost until you admit you're lost and put your trust in the one and only one who came to seek and to save you. And He will. So this is, this is obvious. From the story, and it's it's beautiful. Jesus came to seek and to save rule breakers. It's good news if you're a rule breaker. 
and we all are, to some extent, but even if you made a lifestyle out of it. Okay, but now we come to the unexpected twist in the story. Sure, rule breakers are lost, but Jesus didn't tell this story to the rule breakers. He told it to the rule keepers. Why? Because the rule keepers are also lost. And this isn't nearly as obvious. This isn't nearly as easy to see, especially if you're one of them. If you're a rule keeper. Okay, what are rule keepers? These are people who seek happiness and fulfillment through keeping the rules, moral conformity, doing what's right. And they think that traditions and moral standards have got to be followed. If we're going to be healthy and happy as a society, we've got to do the right thing. And yeah, there's a reason why our whole society is going down the tubes. It's because of all these irritating, obnoxious rule breakers who won't do the right thing. So frustrating. And see, now there's an element of truth here. There's an element of truth here in their thinking, rule rule keepers thinking. And the element of truth is this. Certain rules, God's rules, okay, not all the rules everybody makes up, but God's rules are good for us. Okay, but here's the thing you've absolutely got to get if you're a rule keeper. You've got to hear this. You've got to understand it. Rule keeping is not the way to God. Rule keeping is not the way to God. Rule keeping is not the same thing as loving God. You can keep all, or try, you can try to keep all of God's rules for all kinds of wrong reasons. You can try to keep all of God's rules and your heart can still be far away from Him. Jesus said that. In fact, He says it here. He says it in this story. Not so many words, but the picture. Okay, picture how the story ends. The older son, the one who's always obeyed his father, so he thinks. Okay, where is he when the story ends? He's outside the house. He's outside the Father's house. He's missing the feast. He's alienated from his Father. It's so ironic, okay? The bad son, the rule breaker, is on the inside where the celebration is. And the good son, the rule keeper, is on the outside missing it. And why? Why is the the older brother still outside, lost? Is it because he broke the rules? No. It's because he's so proud of keeping them. He refuses to go in. You see that? He refuses. Why? Because he wants nothing to do with it. He wants nothing to do with a feast he hasn't earned. He wants nothing to do with his father, and certainly nothing to do with his loser of a brother. 
He's not impressed with his father's mercy. Why would he be impressed with mercy? He doesn't think he needs it. He's never disobeyed. He's kept the rules, and Dad ought to realize it and give him whatever he wants. But rule-keeping's not the way to God. Why not? Well, for one reason, nobody keeps all of God's rules. And anybody who thinks they do is delusional. Okay, That's why Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, if you go read Matthew chapter 5, what's he doing? He's telling people who think they're keeping the rules they're not keeping the rules. You know, you've heard it said, you shall not murder. But I say to you, if you hate your brother in your heart, you've broken God's rule. So anybody who thinks they've kept all of God's rules um, is deluded. But there's a much bigger problem, and we can see it here if we look carefully at these two sons. You know, these two guys, for all their differences, they're actually very much alike in this one thing. Their heart toward their father is the same. Think about it. What did the younger son want? He wanted his father's stuff. He didn't really care about his father. I mean, he breaks his father's heart. He didn't care. Why? Because he wants to be in total control of his life. He wants wants to be able to do whatever he wants to do without his father's interference, without his father's direction, without his father's counsel. Dad, go away. I want to be in control. Okay, what about the older son? What does he want? The same thing. Uh, You never gave me a goat. He wants his father's stuff. He cares more about the stuff than about his dad. His attitude is just as dishonoring to his father as the younger brother's attitude. I mean, look how he he refuses to do what his dad wants. And and look how disrespectful. I mean, his father goes out and pleads with him. And look how disrespectfully he speaks to his father. I mean, he basically accuses his dad of being stupid or even evil. The older brother wants the same thing as the younger brother. He wants to be in control. He wants to be in control of all of his father's stuff, and he doesn't want his father interfering. Don't mess it up. See, here's the difference. They both want control of their lives. They just seek it in different ways. Rule breakers seek control over their lives by breaking the rules. Rule keepers seek control over their lives by keeping the rules, the way they keep the rules. That's why he's so angry. Dad is not doing it the right way. And that's not fair. Because he's been a good boy. And so he deserves to have it his way. Now, this is very interesting. Tim Keller points this out. He says, there are many religious people Many religious people who live moral lives, but often their goal is to get leverage over God, to control Him, to put Him in a position where He owes them. If, like the elder brother, you believe that God ought to bless you. Think about this. If, like the elder brother, you think God ought ought to bless you because you try so hard to do what's right to be a good person what that means is that jesus may be your helper your example your inspiration but he's not your savior because you're serving as your own savior wow so both sons have the same problem 
They want to tell the Father what to do. Why? Because they don't trust the Father to do what will make them happy. See, Jesus, this is brutal. Jesus is like pulling back the veil, and he's showing us how bad sin really is. You know, we think, well, sin, you know, you're breaking the rules. Now, it's much worse than that. Much worse than that. You know, if you think that way, that's kind of like, well, God just kind of made up a list of rules, and we have to keep it. No, I blew a few of them. Oh, well, they weren't that important. It's these other rules that are more important. And, you know, sin's about breaking the rules. No, no, no. It's much worse. You know what the problem with sin is? Deep down inside, we believe we're smarter than God. We believe we're kinder than God. We believe we're more committed to our welfare and our happiness than God is. And so we want to be God instead of trust God. That's why sin is so awful. Because wanting to be God of our lives means we think we're better than God. That's ugly. So we're all lost, Jesus says. We're all lost. We all dishonor God either by breaking His rules or by the way we try to keep His rules in order to get something from Him. Hey God, I did all this. How come you're not blessing me the way I think you should? How come this isn't working out? And I'm frustrated and I'm angry. Why am I angry? Because I've been keeping God's rules and He's not keeping His side of the bargain. We're all lost. And Jesus says that. But he says more. We're all lost, yes, and we're all loved. We're all loved. Jesus came to seek and save all kinds of people. The immoral, arrogant rule breakers and the moral, arrogant rule keepers. How do we know that? Look at the Father. Look at his love for both of his sons. Now, his love for the younger son, it's amazing. You know, he sees his son coming from a, a long way away. What does that tell you? It tells you he's been looking for him. He's been looking. Just kind of picture him every morning getting up and looking down the road. And one day he sees him and he runs to him and he embraces him and he covers up his shame. Puts shoes on his feet. That speaks volumes in that culture. Only poor slaves didn't have shoes. And he doesn't let his son pay off the debt. You notice he interrupts him in his speech. He doesn't let him pay off the debt. Why? Because you can't earn your way into God's family. The father takes the son back because he chooses to. And he pays the debt. He bears the cost. And God, God takes us into his family because he chooses to. And he satisfies the debt. He pays the debt the perfect sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. God pays our debt. <clears throat> it's not because we've groveled enough. It's not because we're sorry enough. It's not because we've cleaned up our act enough. He does it because He chooses to, because He's gracious. So the, the, the Father's love for His rule-breaking Son is, is just amazing. But you know what? I think His love for His rule-keeping Son is even more amazing. Because that Son is still so proud. He's so arrogant. He's so convinced He's right. He's so clueless about how hard His heart is toward His own Father. He just doesn't even see it. 
He's angry. You know, at least the younger son admitted he was wrong and said, boy, I've screwed up. Can't get any lower than this. I'm going home to dad because now I realize my dad's a good guy. I'm going home to dad. At least he had the humility to go back, not the older son. He's so angry. He's so resentful. He's so bitter. Okay, ask yourself, would you want to reach out to him? You know any angry, bitter, resentful people? Do you like reaching out to them? And yet that's exactly what his father does. He goes outside. He pleads with him. He wants him to come in and join the celebration. Come on, son. Let it go. Don't be... What do you have to be proud about? What do you have to be angry about? It's all mine anyway, and I give it to you. Just come in. It's me. You're always with me. Come in and share the celebration. Jesus died for rule breakers, and He died for rule keepers. He loves us all. Everybody's wrong. (laughs) it's so fun to say that no we're all wrong and we're all loved you're worse than you think you are you say yeah I, i know what a sinner i am no you don't you don't even know I don't even know. We're worse than we think we are. And you're more loved than you think you are. Far more loved than you think you are. Being right with God is not a do-it-yourself project. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He did not come to show us how to save ourselves. And here's the thing. See, what's, what's the problem? Well, the problem is you want to be God of your own life. How do you fix that? You don't fix it by being God of your own life. By being your own Savior. You can't do it. Jesus is the Savior. Hence, Christmas. He came to seek and save the lost, not to give us reasons to buy stuff. And I'm not going to get on a rampage against gift giving. That's not the issue. Yeah, we can give gifts as, because God's given us gifts. Okay, cool. But that's not the reason He came. He came to seek and save the lost. Who is that? Who is that? Have you realized you're lost? If you're ready to quit playing God, if you're ready to quit playing God, if you're ready to quit trying to find fulfillment either by breaking God's rules or by keeping his rules in such a way that you put, you know, you're trying to put him in your debt to bless you. If you're ready to quit playing God, Jesus is ready to save you. You're wrong and you're loved. Jesus came to seek and save you and me, all of us lost people. Ask him to do it. Just ask him. Romans 10.13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, what's his name? Jesus. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be 
saved. Remember what we're asking. We're asking Him to bring us to God. Not just blot out the sin. Yes, He does that. But He does that to take away any barriers between us and God. That's the goal. Being brought to God. And if you want to be brought to God, you just ask Jesus to do it. Let's pray together. I'm just going to give you a minute, quietly, and uh, if you're here today and suddenly you realize you're lost, I'm so glad. I am so glad. Not because you feel bad, but because now now you can be found. And just ask Jesus to forgive you and bring you to God. I don't want to make it any more complicated than that. Just admit you're wrong. Ask Jesus to bring you to God. Put your trust in Him. Gracious Father, um, wow, when I look at this story of this Father's love for both His rule-breaking Son and His rule-keeping Son, it just leaves me kind of breathless. I, I just, it's hard to grasp. And I've broken so many of your rules. And at other times, I've been proud for keeping your rules. And Lord, that's just all, it's all messed up. Forgive me. And help us to trust the Savior you sent. The one who came to seek and save lost people like us. Help us. And help us celebrate Christmas because you did this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.